We just want to start off by thanking you guys for having us, and Pastor Elmer and Pastor Devin, just thanks for inviting us and letting us speak. We're just in the journey now of, of uh, trying to get ourselves out to Costa Rica for full-time missions, and we just want to start off uh, letting you guys know a little bit about us, just so you guys can kind of know who we are and just kind of the why and the what and our hearts behind um, why Costa Rica. So first, my name is Brian, like Elmer mentioned. Um, I grew up in Whatcom County, just north of Bellingham in Ferndale. Um, my whole entire life, I grew up going to church. I lived right across the street from the church that I attended. I just rolled out of bed and stumbled over to church every morning. Um, around age, six age 16, when my parents kind of gave me the decision to, to decide for myself whether I wanted to go to church or not, I decided just to kind of bow out and uh, quit going, at least on a regular basis. I became kind of one of the, the creaster type type people, Christmas and Easter. Um, I just had more fun hanging out with my friends. I grew up um, going, to, going to school, and a lot of my school friends didn't attend church, and so I kind of naturally just fell away myself. Um, Melissa and I began dating sophomore year of high school at 16, so we are uh, high school sweethearts. We've been together for 17 years now, and I know what you guys are thinking, how old are these guys even? And I just turned 34, She's 33, going on 34. Uh, we got married in 2012. Melissa got diagnosed with a rare blood disease in 2009, which I'll let her tell you guys more about that. But that's what drove us back to church, and that's what, when we found Cornwall Church, her, her and her dad went church shopping, and we landed on Cornwall, and all of us just kind of fell in love with it. We also started attending this ministry called Ecclesia, which was a young adults ministry up where we live. And between attending Cornwall and, and Ecclesia, um, that was kind of the big changing point in my spiritual growth. Um, especially Ecclesia, just seeing a bunch of kids my age reading the Bible for themselves, doing outreach, um, just like on fire during worship. I was like, man, I want what those guys have. And so I started just, uh, they, they challenged us to find a mentor, to. Someone whose faith we admire, just reach out to them and just pick their brains. And so I started picking people's brains. I started reading the Bible for myself. And I feel like that was the big turnaround is when it went from my parents' faith to, to my faith is when I started reading the Bible for myself because then actually God started speaking to me um, individually. Uh, also, just reading the Bibles, everything we were reading, we were like, man, we really want to put this into practice, loving, loving your neighbor as yourself and taking care of the homeless and, and all that. And so we started just getting plugged in um, to greeting at the church, a couple different uh, homeless ministries, get involved with women who have been sex trafficked and also going up to the juvenile detention center and witnessing to the kids in the juvenile uh, de detention center. Um, we got ourselves, it wasn't until we took our first mission trip to Peru in 2015 when God really started putting the desire in my heart for cross-cultural work. And we'll get back to that in a minute, but I'm gonna let Melissa catch you up on her story. Yes, everybody, hi, I'm Melissa. Um, I was born and raised in Texas, actually. Um, my parents divorced when I was about 10 years old, and so that's when my dad brought me up to Washington State. My dad struggled uh, with depression after the, the divorce, which led to alcohol and drug use, uh, making my life very unstable and chaotic. In middle and high school, I often lived uh, with friends due to multiple house evictions and financial instability. Then in 2008, like Brian mentioned, I was diagnosed with a rare blood disorder. Um, it's called idiopathic thrombocypenic purpurea, 
I used to know how to spell that too. I don't think I can anymore, but um, it's just short for ITP, which is where you are low in platelets, which helps you clot. And I found out later on in 2020 that the blood disorder was actually caused by my diagnosis of lupus, which is an autoimmune condition that can attack different um, parts of your body, your muscles, organs, skin, and things like that. So a year after I was first diagnosed with ITP, that's when my dad suggested, hey, let's go to church. Um, we landed at Cornwall. And when we started attending Cornwall, Bob was going through this series called Flip 180, and it was talking about how sometimes God flips our lives upside down. And that was extremely relevant to me at the time. I remember walking into church, and I just, I felt a lot of things, but I felt lost. I felt scared. Um, I had this, like, crippling hopelessness of, like, what is this going to mean for me as I grow up with this condition not knowing and sitting in the auditorium one day, I felt like the Lord said to me, spoke to my heart, you have no control over your life, so when are you going to give it to me? And it was then I slowly began surrendering my life and learning about what it looks like to actually follow Jesus. And so as we began serving, like Brian mentioned, my faith yet again was rocked. Um, when I was 21 years old, I received a phone call from a friend saying, Melissa, I heard what happened to your dad. Please let me know if there's anything the church can do. And I thought, what happened to my dad? And so I tried calling him and no answer. Um, and it turns out that my dad had passed away suddenly that morning from a brain aneurysm. And it was during that time I really felt God's love for me the most. Um, there was a verse, it says, he is a father to the fatherless, and that really became uh, true to me. That verse became very, very real. And I knew God was sovereign, and I knew it was actually the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and that Jesus was right next to me mourning with me, and he was comforting me through people and his word, through verses like John 11:25, 25, where Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he dies. Do you believe this? Or in Ecclesiastes 7, 2, where he says, it's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every person. The living should take this to heart. He strengthened me as I leaned on him during that trying time, and as a result, my faith grew even stronger. A year or two later, I began learning more about the persecuted church. I was reading about what other believers were going through because of their faith, and I could not believe it. I was reading mainly about things happening in North Korea, and I was a wreck after that. I physically didn't eat for almost like two days. I was crying. Um, it just, it wrecked me. And I remember... Um, during that time, I feel like God planted some desire and curiosity about the global church. And I began praying fervently for believers just around the world that God would give believers strength and um, boldness in sharing the gospel. And I wanted to go on a mission trip so badly, but my doctor wouldn't let me at the time because my blood disorder wasn't stable. And so fast forward five years later, I'm off all medications, and I ask again, and my doctor said, yes, you can go. I don't like that you're gonna go, but you can. And that's when um, we went to the Amazon jungle to Peru with Cornwall Church, and that was in 2015. 
Brian and I continually had conversations and we were asking ourselves, if God wanted us to serve cross-culturally, would we? What would that look like? What about my health? Could we leave our family? What would we even do? Um, it sounded like uh, this unreachable dream, one that we did not feel qualified for. And Brian will share more about what was next for us. Yeah, so the years to come, uh, we went on more mission trips that involved supporting missionary kids in the Latin American region. Uh, one trip was to Florida, and another trip was to Roatan, Honduras. Um, these are the trips that God used uh, to connect us more to Jason and Abby Torgensen. They're the missionaries that are currently in Costa Rica, and they are the regional connectors. They're kind of overseeing all the Latin American missionaries in uh, Latin America. Um, through, through those trips, they started seeing the potential in us. They kind of just saw the way that we would always show up for them and their kids. We like stayed in relationship with their kids. We still WhatsApp them all the time. And so they just saw kind of how relational we were and they approached us and said, hey, we'd love for you guys to join us. We have this role of supporting the Costa Rican churches in Costa Rica. Um, as, we grew, as we grew closer to Jason in March of 22 is when they, they approached us and they asked us. Uh, we had long since desired to serve cross-culturally, and the idea and dream of mission always sounded great, but the reality set in of what that would actually cost, leaving our family, leaving our community, leaving our jobs, leaving our church. We have one six-year-old niece, and she's going to be the hardest for us to leave. She's already cried to us a couple times saying, I don't want you guys to go. Um, we also don't want to move somewhere just for an adventure or because it sounds fun, but we would consider it if we were ever invited by the locals. Um, this was an invitation from the local pastors, also the local missionaries, and so we thought we ought to pursue it and just see what God did with it. And so as we, we began praying and seeking counsel um, during that period, God answered two big specific prayers, which I wish we had time to tell you those stories. Maybe we can tell you later. Uh, but that just made us more confident um, that he was actually calling us to go. And so we ended up taking a vision trip in uh, March or in June of 22. And through that trip and lots of prayers, we decided to go all in and accept the invitation to go. And now we're just super excited to get out there. We're, we're enjoying the, the road of raising funds and, and speaking. And I'm going to let Melissa take off from there. Yeah, we'll go to the next slide. It shows um, a picture of us with Jason and Abby back when we um, were there in, yeah, what he said, 2022. So, um, yeah, so the mission agencies that is sending us is called Global Strategy, and that is essentially the mission's arm of the Church of God Ministries. And um, we learned about Global Strategy through me working at Cornwall Church, so we sent a lot of teams um, to go support some of the missionaries. And at Global Strategy, their mission is to walk alongside the local church globally as it gives life. And um, so where am I at here? We're asking ourselves, how is God actively involved in the lives of people in Costa Rica? And how can we build up and support and walk alongside them so they can fulfill the call that God has on their life? And so we'll tell you some other things we're going to be doing, but our main goal down there is to really walk alongside the pastors and support them in whichever way is beneficial and empowers the church leaders. And so Costa Rica is located in Central America. So we have a picture here so you can see. It's right below Nicaragua and right above Panama. Um, it's a picture for reference in case anyone thought Costa Rica was an island like my husband did. <laughs> 
Um, it gets, yeah, I think Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, they get confused a lot. So, um, and I think when most of us hear about Costa Rica, we, we think about maybe beautiful beaches and volcanoes and wildlife and all of those things. And it's true, Costa Rica has all those things. It's a beautiful, beautiful country. Um, but as we started learning more about Costa Rica and we did some research, like any other country, it does have its heartbreaking things. So some of the major challenges in Costa Rica include lack of strong discipleship, legalism due to Catholicism, ministry leaders being under-resourced and discipling the youth. But today, we're just gonna talk about two of those things. In a missions book called Operation World, it states that ministry to young people is essential given that two-thirds of the country is under the age of 30, which we were blown away by that statistic. Um, and the next slide shows a picture of a youth retreat taken by missionary Abby Torgensen a couple years ago. And unfortunately, in the past five years, Costa Rica has had an increase in alcoholism, drug addiction, violence, and immorality. Discipling and serving the youth are gonna go a long way in affecting this generation and the generations to come. And the most recent issue the country is becoming a little more um, worried about is the uptick in number of youth joining hitman gangs, which is associated with organized crime. These youth are usually between the ages of 18 and early 20s, um, but they have seen as young as 14 years old. So they, they are finding, these, these kids are finding a sense of family, a sense of belonging in these gangs, and that just reinforces the need for creating that within the churches down there. Pastors are also really under-resourced. Um, they're surviving on minimal incomes without a lot of strong teams to help in their work. And so this generally leads to failure to provide solid pastoral care for struggling believers, which in turn makes them drift away or they just go back to the Catholic Church because that's just what they're used to. Growth in tourism, especially ecotourism, has gone a really long way in Costa Rica in relieving a depressed economy. Although inflation and deficit rates are very high, um, there's still about 20% that live in deep poverty over there. And so in 2022, when we went, we met a sweet, lively pastor named Pastor Raul, um, and he's pictured on the next slide on stage. Um, he pastors a church in Limon, which is on the east side of the country. And we found out earlier last year that he actually lost consciousness and suffered from a pre-heart attack all this while he was trying to manage his congregation when they were experiencing pressure from neighbors who were throwing rocks at their church during service. Since then, they've gotten new neighbors, thankfully. Um, but when we reflect on our visit down there, we saw so many church leaders that were working so hard, like Pastor Raul. Some were speaking Sunday mornings during their midweek services on Wednesdays and organizing and leading youth camps and retreats. On top of that, they have second jobs. Um, Pastor Raul's job is a, um, he's a tour guide in Limon, and um, on top of all that, they're still trying to provide for their family and their children. So inevitably, this is a recipe for burnout, not only physically, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And so when we were down there, we recognized the incredible honor and joy that they expressed just for us going to visit them. 
Um, they often feel forgotten or unacknowledged in their work. And so Brian and I will get to walk alongside pastors like Pastor Raul, reminding them that we see them, that they aren't forgotten, and that they are ministering to precious lives, and we want to honor that and help them in that. So the ministry of presence and showing up is huge over there and means a lot to them. And Brian will now share more, a little bit about our timeline and plans. So the number one question we get is when you guys actually leave. And I know you guys are thinking of it, so I'll answer that for you. Uh, we can't leave until we're 100% funded, um, which our goal is to be 100% by July or August of this year. Uh, our after we get to about 80 to 100%, we're gonna attend Mission Training International, which is in Colorado Springs. It's a month-long training that they send missionaries to, just how to deal with culture shock, how to have a healthy marriage overseas, tips and tricks on learning the language, and all sorts of different things. Um, we'll also do a two-day training that people take when they're in the Peace Corps. It's just a safety training that'll give us knowledge and wisdom when it comes to living in a different country and a different culture. Uh, we know the relationships, we're only gonna go as deep as we know the language, and so we're grateful that the first year when we get to Costa Rica is gonna be spent in language school, um, just learning the language and learning the culture. And to learn the culture, we also would love to live with a host family um, while we're in Costa Rica for that first year, at least the first six months. And the language school also teaches culture, not just through language, but through food, dance, serving projects in the community, um, learning and history. Year two, once we complete language school, we'll get settled into our own place. If we haven't done that already, we'll begin visiting the churches around the country, listening and developing relationships with the pastors and the youth there. Uh, we'll serve and assist with any special projects that might be needed and help in the kid and youth programs in the churches. Our goal is really to assist and relieve the pastors and leadership in any way that they need it the most. That'll look like teaching, helping uh, to organize, prepare for upcoming events like um, child youth camps or retreats. We'll also be receiving and leading teams that come down from the US, so if C, uh, C3 sends a team, then we'll be the ones to figure out what you're gonna do, where you're gonna go, how you're gonna get to point A and point B, all the, all the logistics there, so that'll be fun. Um, and we also want to host a small group or a Bible study in our house. Uh, we're thinking that could be in the form of watching The Chosen in Spanish for a tool of starting conversations and then walking alongside and pouring into missionary kids with the Latin American region also. Um, there's a total of 11 Church of God churches. On the next slide, we have a picture of where they're all located, just to give you a better idea of where we'll regularly be traveling to throughout Costa Rica. And then now Melissa's gonna tell you more of our hopes for the third year. Yeah, so in the third year, um, we plan to explore other outreach opportunities within the country and connect short-term mission teams to those opportunities, as well as the churches down there that have expressed interest in wanting to serve more out in their communities. So we have a couple of ideas for that. One is um, to serve possibly at one of the largest slums in Central America. It's located in Costa Rica in the capital, San Jose. Um, it is home to about 40,000 people, and 20,000 of those people are children. Or at a YWAM base, where they have a heart for the extreme impoverished, and they serve adults and kids serving in their coffee fields. Possibly at an orphanage, or with refugees. That's a big problem as well. A lot are coming up from Venezuela and Nicaragua. 
And so this photo here is of Abby Torgensen, the night they took a Cornwall church team to serve at a refugee camp. And she met this lady and her son who walked through the jungles of Central America fleeing their home in Venezuela in search for something better. Now, when it comes to reaching the people in Costa Rica that are outside the church, some of the best avenues and ways to do this are through their dance and kid ministries. Those are big in the churches. Um, there's an international leader, his name's Alberto, that we met. He, he's part of the SEED, which is an acronym for a leadership team that oversees church plants in Central and South America through Church of God. And, but way before he was a believer, I think I have a picture of him on the next slide. He's the guy to your left in the brown shorts. Way before he was a believer, though, he was actually a leader in the Mormon church. And um, his son really wanted to go to an event that was happening at a church down the street. And so he thought, well, I'm going to go to this event to see what my son wants to go to. So he ended up going. And then he went again the next week. And then the next week. And then the next week. And you see where this is going. So he gave his life to Christ, which is so awesome. As soon, and soon after, his whole family did as well. So this is just one example of how kid ministries are really a key component in getting people through the doors and making connections. And so through our prayers and yours, we hope to see more life transformation in Costa Rica. And not because we're there, but because God is already there, and we just want to partner with what he is already doing. And what better way to do that than with our brothers and sisters that are down there doing the work already? look like to us. Success to us looks like seeing the churches thrive, the pastors healthy, being supported, the youth engaged, living a vibrant relationship with Christ, and discipling others. And so we know that when there are healthy individuals and healthy families, that society flourishes. And apart from God, that won't be able to happen in Costa Rica. And so why are we doing this? You might ask, well, there's a lot of reasons. We named a couple tonight, but, or today, but in the grand scheme of things, we believe that there are two most important things, and that is people and relationships. One of our favorite verses is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, and Paul's talking to the Thessalonian church, and he said, so we cared for you. We loved you so much. We were not only delighted to share with you the gospel of God, but our very lives. And so this is what we strongly feel God has invited us to in Costa Rica through this open door of opportunity to show the love of Christ and to share our lives. When God plants a desire and he stirs and speaks and invites, we have to follow him no matter if we can't see the future, no matter if it requires sacrifice or being uncomfortable, like on a stage like this. <laughs> so this isn't just an opportunity for us, though. Um, we quickly learned that this is an opportunity for our friends and our family and the Big C Church we couldn't do this without prayers and support from our church family. And I think we can all agree that when there is a victory or a life change, that that is a win for all of us in the body of Christ. So it's your mission just as much as it is ours because it wouldn't work otherwise. And so with that, we do want to share two ways you can practically partner with us if you do feel led. The first and most important way, obviously, is through prayer. So we have prayer bookmarkers that we made. 
Um, and on the back, there's 31 days um, of different topics you can pray for us. In fact, if you know any other missionaries, this is a great tool. You can use this to pray for them. Um, so if you want to commit to joining our prayer team, we're actually taking a step further. And we're asking people to pick one day out of the month to pray for us. You can set an alarm on your phone. Um, make it easy. And by all means, if you want to pray for us more, we'll take it. <laughs> so you, you can definitely do that. Um, but our ultimate goal is to be covered in prayer every single day of the month. And I think right now we just have two more open days. Um, but after the service, we'll be out in the lobby. There, we have contact cards. Um, you can fill that out. You can sign up for our newsletters to stay connected on where we're at in this journey. Um, and then you can also pick up a bookmarker there and put down, um, write down a day, the day that you chose to pray for that month, because I, I am keeping track on a prayer calendar. Um, it's important for us that we stay connected in this mission together. And so we know without prayers, we really don't have any grounds to move forward in. And um, yeah, we want to feel connected, so we need your prayers. Um, and now Brian will share the second way you can partner with us. Yeah, and the second way is, of course, through financial partnership. Um, in an effort to reach our goal, our biggest need is for people to partner with us on some sort of consistent basis, whether that's monthly, uh, quarterly, or annually, or bi-monthly. As of our last update, we're currently sitting at 47% funded, and our goal is to reach 65% by the end of February. In order to reach that goal, uh, we need 1,761 more dollars in monthly commitments to reach that goal. If you would like to partner financially or learn more or have any questions for us, you can scan the QR code that's on the screen up there or visit us out in the lobby. We'll be out in the comments by the booth out there as well after the service. Um, and then you can also fill out the partnership form, which I believe is out there as well, and um, that'll connect you to us as well. And we also just want to just say we're super grateful that you guys gave us the opportunity to come out and speak. It's been fun to come be a part of the church and see the service and meet everybody. And thank you. 